Hello and welcome to the Future Father Dave podcast. Join me, a Catholic seminarian, each week as I share the story of my vocation and prepare to embark upon the journey of a lifetime as a Catholic priest. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Future Father Dave podcast. We're back with episode three this week, and I have been on the Appalachian Trail now for a full week. So kind of hard to believe that I've been on the trail now for a week, and here we are in week three of the podcast. So things are rolling right along. And um, before I get into the rosebud thorn, I will start this week's episode with a prayer. So, Lord Jesus, I just thank you for my time on trail so far and uh, the people that I've been able to meet. And um, I pray for all the people that I will continue to meet along the way over the next several months. I pray that... um, I can use this time to draw closer to you and uh, that my listeners here can derive some benefit from listening to me and my journey and my insights. So, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, uh, with that, I will get started with the Rosebud Thorn segment. So, the rose, there's a lot of roses this week. It was, it's been a great week. Overall, I mean, definitely some challenges, but um, overall, far, far more positives than negatives. And um, But the biggest rose that really stands out was from my first night on trail. So I did about eight miles on Sunday afternoon uh, and uh, made it to... I'm blanking on the name of the shelter, but... Uh, Anyway, I made it to a shelter and stayed overnight, and um, it got really cold overnight. It got down to like 35 degrees overnight. And there was one other guy camping at this shelter who was just an overnight hiker. He wasn't doing a through hike, but he lived in the area and came out on a whim Sunday, whim Sunday evening and then was going back Monday morning. And he had a really lightweight, super warm gear set up. Like, his entire setup weighed less than 20 pounds, which I started out carrying 20 pounds worth of food. So just in food alone, I was carrying more weight than this guy had total. And um, when I woke up Monday morning, he asked me how I slept because it was cold. And I said, you know... I'll be honest, I could have been better because I neglected to bring two very important pieces of clothing for warm weather. And that is a beanie and a super warm pair of wool socks for sleeping at night to keep my feet cold, feet warm. And I did put on two pairs of hiking socks, but that wasn't the same as wearing a nice pair of wool socks, like super thick fuzzy socks. And so my plan, I told him my plan was to just go into town, um, the next town I came across, and and pick those two things up, some socks and a beanie. And I didn't really think much of it. I thought that that wouldn't be a huge issue, and I'd be able to easily get those two items. But 
as he left Monday morning, he insisted on giving me his uh, down booties that were are super ultralight and super warm and comfortable. They're made from down, like the same material that is in like a really nice sleeping bag. And they compress real small and um, super packable, lightweight. And I can't imagine these things are cheap. And he just gave them to me. I was completely floored by this random act of kindness on my very first day on trail. And um, it was just a really amazing way to start the week. And to have that happen on my first day on trail was just, just blew me away. So that was the rose. Uh, my bud for this week is, uh, looking forward to potentially seeing my buddy Luca next weekend at Delaware Water Gap. Uh, when I visited with Luca during my time in D.C. this past week, weekend, um, he lives there now, but he's a friend of mine from Clemson. Uh, we determined that the trail that goes through New Jersey at Delaware Water Gap is only 45 minutes from where he grew up in New Jersey. And so he said he may potentially be able to take a train to New Jersey from DC back home and then drive up and meet me. So that would be pretty sweet if we could make that happen. Um, And uh, yeah, it'd be cool if he can get out there and join me on the trail. So that was the bud. And then my thorn for this week was just the number of road, major road crossings and interstates and stuff like that that the trail runs through in this section of Pennsylvania. Uh, Some of those crossings were a little bit hairy, and um, all of them were loud, unfortunately. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, I recognize that some parts of the trail are going to have to go by interstate, so that's just the nature of the beast. You wish it could be different, but... Roads are important, too, and we need them, so I understand that. But it was still kind of kind of a bummer and uh, took away from the experience just a little bit. But overall, if that's my worst thorn for the week, I'd say I'm doing pretty good. And there was also some rain this week, too, but that's going to come and go, too. And that's something that you just have to be prepared for when you're living out in the woods for three months. So, yeah. I'm not going to let a little bit of rain or a little bit of traffic noise stop me. So, yeah, those that's the Rosebud Thorn segment, and um, now we'll move on to the next one. So for this next segment here, I'd like to give kind of just a brief overview of my first week on trail, and then also preface the two main points of reflection that I've had this week. And those two points of reflection are the Forgotten Hollers and the Lonesome Path. And the Forgotten Hollers part is um, a term that is probably familiar to most of you uh, who are involved with Glenmary and have heard about Glenmary's origins. But for those of you outside of Glenmary, you probably never heard that term, so uh, I'll explain that and um, talk about its significance um, in this next upcoming segment. So, yeah, those are kind of the two the two topics of reflection for the week. So, anyway, 
uh, I started on Sunday afternoon at Pine Grove Furnace State Park. And from there, I hiked eight miles to the James Fry Shelter, which was super nice. Super nice shelter, nice privy, like picnic tables, fire pit, the whole, the whole shebang. And uh, I was very, very impressed by that shelter. So that was day one. And then uh, that was Sunday afternoon. And then Monday, I hiked 11 miles to just outside of Boiling Springs. Uh, Monday is when I met my first two through hikers, uh, both of whom had started at Harper's Ferry coming north. So they were, they'd been on trail for about a week, both of them. And so I camped with one of those guys right outside of Boiling Springs on Monday. Tuesday morning, I had breakfast in Boiling Springs. And then I hiked 13 miles across mostly flat rolling hills and meadows. Uh, to the Wolf Trail Junction. And that section, that flat section through the um, Cumberland Valley, they might as well just rename it the Shire because that's what it felt like from the Lord of the Rings. It really did. I mean, it was absolutely gorgeous, just beautiful day. Like the sun was shining. It was spring. There's a nice, pleasant breeze in the air. And I was just meandering through these fields and meadows and and it was it was just really really pleasant so that was a nice break from the rocks because most of the rest of the trail so far that i've been on has just been rocks and rocks and more rocks which is really really tough on your feet so that flat meandering rolling hills section uh just north of boiling springs was um, really welcomed, uh, a welcome break for my feet. So anyway, from, uh, Wolf Trail Junction on Wednesday morning, I went another 13 miles to Duncannon, which that was really the highlight of the week. Honestly, my time in Duncannon was spectacular. I stayed at a hiker hostel, uh, sponsored by the Assembly of God Church. And I actually talk about that in my Wink of the Week segment at the end so stay tuned for an update about my time in Duncannon but that was definitely one of the highlights of the week for sure so after leaving Duncannon I hiked another 11 miles on Thursday to the Peters Mountain Shelter which again super nice I've been super impressed with all the shelters so far um and then Friday and I did 10 miles, and Saturday I did 12 miles to end up in Jonestown slash Lickdale. Um, my guidebook says both for some reason. I'm not really sure which one it is, but anyway, there's a church there, and that's where I went to Mass today. Um, Our Lady of Fatima Church. So, um, yeah. So, that's a quick summary of the week. It did rain for most of the day Friday and Saturday, but... You know, that just comes with the territory when you're hiking this kind of... When you're doing this kind of a trip, it's going to rain. You're going to get wet. So, it is what it is. But I've camped in the rain before, and I'm sure it won't be the last time. So, I'm not going to let that ruin my week. But, yeah. So, that's a quick summer of the week. And now, these next two segments will be kind of more reflection-based. And hopefully, you can take some insights away from both of them because I certainly did.
So this first reflection on the lonesome path um, stems from a conversation that I had with uh, the first thru-hiker that I met uh, named Caleb. And so Monday morning, after my first night uh, at the James Fry Shelter Sunday night, Monday morning I wake up and I go down to the spring uh, around the corner from the campsite, and um, along comes Caleb, and he had apparently started at Harper's Ferry, which is about a week's uh, journey by trail uh, ahead of me. So he had been on trail for about a week, and uh, he said he did a thru-hike previously, in 2019 and uh he actually chose this year to start at harper's ferry and go north because he wanted more solitude because he found that it was very crowded when he did his through hike in, in 2019 and there's just a lot of people and he wanted to try and get ahead of the crowds and he said you know the route that he chose and the route that i'm choosing is um kind of a more solitary route and he said, don't, don't be expecting uh, to meet a ton of people um, doing, it, doing what I'm doing. And that comment on my very first day on trail kind of threw me for a loop because I was really excited and looking forward to meeting all kinds of people on trail. And, you know, it's early and I'm sure I'll meet people, but... The more I thought about it, the more I realized he's probably right. I am, because of where I'm starting and when I'm starting, um, I'm not going to have a traditional thru-hike experience like most people. Most people begin their hike in Georgia in uh, early to mid-March, and, you know, there's thousands, there's hundreds of people that start every year, and... You know, a lot of them do drop out, but a lot of them keep going. And during those first few weeks and even really the first month, uh, there's a lot of people bouncing back and forth and forming different groups of friend groups and, and groups of hikers that all hike at the same speed. And you kind of figure out who you're going to hike with and you form a little community in a sense. And... That, to me, is something that I really enjoy. I'm really a, a big community guy. I like to build community wherever I go, and I feel like that's one of my, my greatest skills is my ability to meet people and develop community very quickly. And so that was one aspect of the trail that I was really looking forward to. And to kind of get that gut punch right from the start from somebody that's done the trail before that the route that I'm choosing is um, kind of more lonesome was tough to hear. And so far, you know, I'm a week in and what he said has mostly rung true. You know, I haven't really met a ton of people, maybe a handful of people each day. Um, but for the most part, I've been hiking alone uh, for large stretches of the day and uh, camping with either by myself or maybe one one other person. Uh, but so far, I haven't really camped with any big groups or had any time, you know, around a campfire with other people. And I'm sure I'll have some of that. 
but from what I understand, most of the hikers coming from the north are still in Tennessee, or from, excuse me, from, who started in Georgia, are still in Tennessee right now, so they're a ways behind me, and I'm also, um, slightly ahead of the season for most of these businesses and hostels and things like that that serve hikers and so a lot of these establishments aren't even open yet for the summer season and so that has presented a couple of challenges so far as well um but the benefit of this lonesome route that i've chosen is the fact that it really gives me time, it forces me to be by myself. And that's something that I struggle to do, to to spend time alone and recharge. Because I'm always around people, all the time. I love being around people. But even somebody like me, who's just a people person to the max, even severe extroverts need alone time to recharge and connect with God. And I think that's what this trip is really going to force me to do is spend some serious time in prayer and reflection and different things like that and the other thing too is that this lonesome path that i'm on right now is kind of a um symbolism if you will uh of the path that i'm choosing as a priest you know i'm choosing a route as a, as, as a Catholic priest that not a lot of people choose. And it's a, it's a route that's different and set apart from what most people expect in the world. You know, I won't be having a traditional family uh, getting married and having kids and, and things of that nature. I'll be taking vows of poverty and chastity and obedience. And those are things that are really foreign to a lot of people in our current society. And um, I, it's, de- it's certainly a route that, like I said, not many people choose to take. But as I think about the different things that God has led me to throughout my life and the different experiences that I've had, whether it's, you know, participating in Boy Scouts or cross country or the different friend groups that I've had or the different jobs that I've I've worked. I've really kind of been the odd guy out most of my life. In all of those different settings, I can point to specific examples of ways in which I was the odd guy out, right? And so it's almost like God has been preparing me through all of these different experiences my whole life to be that that odd guy out, but yet still be part of the community and be able to bring a unique perspective to the community because I am the odd guy out, quote unquote. And, you know, some examples are, you know, when I was in Boy Scouts, right? I got my Eagle Scout at 14 years old. Most people don't get their Eagle Scout at 14. Most people, if they get their Eagle Scout at all, which, I mean, even just achieving Eagle Scout is um, statistically only like 4% of Scouts actually achieve Eagle Scout. 
And of the scouts that do, most of them don't do it until their 17th or 18th birthday. And so I was well ahead of schedule um, at 14. So that's one way in which I was kind of the odd guy out. And in cross country, I never had a whole lot of natural talent. And so I had to be that guy that outworked everybody else and really worked hard to earn whatever opportunities I got in running. And um, I was able to bring that tenacity to, to, to practice and to my teammates to help push them. And when I went to Clemson, I was part of a friend group and they were all, we were all engineers, all freshman engineers, but every single one of the other people in the friend group lived in the dorm building with all the other freshman engineers. I was the only one that lived on the other side of campus in another dorm room. So I was the odd guy out, but because I was the odd guy out, I had a unique perspective being living in a different dorm room. So, and even the jobs that I've lived, I felt like a lot of times that I was the odd guy out. Or the, the jobs that I've worked, excuse me, uh, I felt like I was the odd guy out. So, you know, not to beat a dead horse, but the point I'm trying to make here is that sometimes it can be good to be the odd guy out. And at its best, that's one of the biggest strengths of the priesthood and not being married is that priests can offer that unique perspective, that different perspective to their parishioners who are immersed in day-to-day family life because being removed from the regular day-to-day struggles and um, of family life, the priest can offer a unique perspective as somebody who, you know, isn't immersed in that fully. So that, to me, is one of the greatest strengths of the priesthood and the fact that they aren't married. And really, the other part of that is that not, it's not just priests that are called to live this lonesome life set apart from the world. I mean, we're all called to holiness. And the definition of holiness is to be set apart. And we are, we are called to be set apart to serve the Lord and to follow his commands, even if they're countercultural, even if it goes against what the world um, is telling us to do, you know, and what that looks like in your own life um, is, is different for everybody. But maybe it's not watching that TV show that everybody at the office is talking about because you know that it contains, you know, provocative sexual imagery and, you know, crude humor, you know? So maybe that's your way of setting yourself apart from the world. Or maybe if you're in high school and there's a kid that's getting consistently bullied and picked on, then maybe you step up for that kid. Maybe that's your way of setting yourself apart from, your wor- from the world. And, you know, whatever it is, it's different for everybody, but I encourage you to find ways to set yourself apart and to be the odd guy out because that's what the Lord is calling us to do. We're not called to be um, 
in the world. We're called to be above the world, outside the world. And yeah, so that I think is a really powerful thing to remember is that we're all called to holiness and we're all called to be different in some way because this really is not our ultimate home. Heaven is. And the more we can do to set ourselves, set our sights on heaven and not on the things of this world, the better off we're going to be. So my second... So my second point of reflection from this week is on the topic of the forgotten hollers. And this reflection was inspired by my time on Tuesday going through the Cumberland Valley region. And as I mentioned um, in one of the previous segments, you know, that section might as well be renamed the Shire from the Lord of the Rings because it was just... That's exactly what it reminded me of. And, you know, I was really struck by those rolling hills and meadows. And I realized in looking out on that landscape that that's the region that I'm going to be living in. That's the region that I'm going to be calling home with Glenmary. That's the, the same sort of rural America that uh, first inspired Father Bishop to found Glenmary. Because where I'm at in Pennsylvania, you know, it's not far from rural Maryland where Father Bishop's first priestly assignment was. And it was in that small rural parish that he first got the idea for Glenmary because he saw the need to go to the margins and preach the gospel to these quote-unquote forgotten hollers, these mountainsides and hillsides where people live, but the church hasn't gotten yet or doesn't really feel the need to go in, in a lot of cases, unfortunately. You know, they're so focused on these big cities, and rightfully so because there's a lot of people there that need need to be you know, shared the gospel, but these people in rural America deserve to hear the the gospel just as much. And, um, so when I was going through this region, it just struck me that, you know, I'm standing in kind of the same region where that first inspired Father Bishop. And I felt really at home, you know, and that kind of parallels with the story of the Lord of the Rings and the Shire, in that the Shire is just this peaceful place where, you know, people live very simply, and the hobbits eat a lot of food. They eat actually six meals a day, which um, is pretty fitting uh, for AT through hikers uh, because we can definitely relate to eating six meals a day, including 11 C's and afternoon tea and all that kind of stuff. And for those of you who don't know, I just made a reference to um, Pippin talking about um, leaving the Shire and going out on the journey. And he's concerned about (laughs) missing all of these extra meals that the hobbits eat. (laughs) Um, 
and that's where we learned that the hobbits eat six meals a day. So, anyway, I can I can really relate to that because I typically tend to eat for four anyway. <laughs> so, especially on trail, I'm sure I will be eating at least probably four or five meals a day, if not more. Um, but I digress. Anyway, um, so in The Lord of the Rings, for those of you that are familiar, you know, they go on this big, grand adventure, and they see all of these amazing places. But at the end of the day, it's the Shire that they love the most, and it's the Shire that they ultimately decide to return to and long to return to. And for me, you know, that that is largely mirrored in my own life and my own experience. You know, I have traveled a lot since graduating college. I, I went to Montana and I've worked a lot uh, of different jobs over the last three or four years as I've gone through my discernment and ultimately settled on Glenmary. And in a lot of ways, it feels like I'm returning, finally returning back to my roots, back to my Shire. Because for the longest time, I felt like I just had to run away from Hilton Head and get as far away from where I grew up as I could. And so I tried all of these different things to keep me away from Hilton Head. And what I realized in the process is that ultimately Hilton Head was where my greatest strengths came from. You know, my, my ability to talk to people and provide great customer service and people skills. That came from growing up in my family business and working at the Island Fudge Shop, you know, working behind a counter selling candy. And um, I really loved that, being able to interact with people and uh, meet new people every day. Um, and that's something that I didn't really get in a lot of these other jobs that I've tried. I didn't get that degree of social interaction that I get from customer service and working with people all day long. And that's something to me that really fills my cup. And that's an aspect of being a priest that I'm really looking forward to is being able to just be around people and walk with them and talk with them. And, you know, I love to talk. And one of the things I love to talk about the most is my faith. And so, you put those th two things together, and it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that being a minister of some kind would be a great fit for me, you know? I like to talk, and I like to talk about God. So, makes sense. And, um, yeah, like I said, it's just, it feels like I'm coming back home to the Shire. And, um... You know, walking through that section of Pennsylvania, I just felt an overwhelming sense of peace. And I felt like I was at home looking out on that countryside, those rolling hills, those meadows. 
you know, that's a lot of the same scenery that I'm going to find in a lot of the Glen Mary missions in Kentucky and Tennessee and North Carolina. And it's really an area that I can see myself being content and, and really thriving. So um, that to me was just further confirmation that I'm headed in the right direction and um, really looking forward to all that is to come with Glen Mary in the years to come. So this week's wink of the week moment, without a doubt, goes to the um, place that I stayed at in Duncannon, Pennsylvania, on Wednesday night. Shout out to the Duncannon Assembly of God Church. I had an amazing stay there, and uh, thank you for all that you do for hikers, and I wish you a really wonderful uh, 2023 season here as you kick off the season uh, in the next couple weeks. So as I uh, was approaching Duncannon on Wednesday afternoon, it was the end of a really long day and there's a really steep decline into town that took me way longer than I thought it would. And I was just exhausted and ready to just collapse. And in my guidebook, I had read that there was riverfront camping for $5 and that there was a shower included in that. And I was all about that. And so I was really looking forward to this riverfront camping for five bucks and getting a shower and having a nice good meal and being able to resupply and go to the grocery store and just things of that nature. So really looking forward to being in town. And so I call the guy to uh, tell him that I'm on my way and to make sure that he holds a spot for me as it's getting close to getting dark there on Wednesday. And the man who answers the phone very emphatically told me that the price is no longer $5, but it has jumped to $25. And that if I'm looking for something cheap and free, then I should try the church. And by the church, he was referring to the Assembly of God uh, hiker hostel. But of course, when I asked which church, he just gave some sort of vague answer and hung up the phone. So that was very unhelpful, unfortunately. But I was able to find the hostel, luckily, but there was only one problem. They weren't actually open yet. And I actually got really lucky because I was able to stay there and be like one of the first people of the year who has stayed there because the pastor just happened to be outside fixing his AC unit. And I just walked up and saw this pastor holding an AC unit out the window. And I introduced myself and he actually thought that I was somebody else because somebody else had called, I guess, earlier in the day. So he actually said, welcome so-and-so. And I was like, or you must be so-and-so. And I was like, um, no, my name's David, but nice to meet you. 
and um, it worked out great because I was able to pitch my tent on their on their lawn, and I got there about six thirty, and then they had a service on Wednesday night a Wednesday night service at seven, so I went to the Wednesday night service, and then um, I was able to uh, have one of the men I met at the service drive me to the grocery store and back. So it was just, overall it worked out really well, and then I was able to get a shower uh, Thursday morning as well. So, And it was all because I um, really missed, missed out on the riverfront camping. So because my riverfront camping plan went sideways, it allowed me to go to this hiker hostel, which turned out to be way better anyway. So... Funny how that kind of works out uh, in a lot of these situations. And the coolest part, in addition to everything I've already shared, is that this pastor, I swear, could have passed for the brother of my coach, my cross-country coach, Max Mayo. And for those of you who know Max, he is... Very a very unique individual, and he has a southern drawl, and he he likes to talk and use his hands, and he has like very distinct mannerisms, if you will, and I was just it was unnerving how similar this pastor's mannerisms were to Max Mayo. I literally felt like this could have been either Max Mayo's younger self or like his younger brother because that's how similar this guy felt to uh to max mayo he had the same similar face and uh spoke in a similar tone and just it was uncanny it was it really was and it it felt like a warm hug from home it really did to be welcomed by somebody like that. He was just so kind and so loving. And uh, his message was really great. And in his message, he talked about how... He, he talked about three things. And it was all pertaining to how we approach worship. We need to approach Sunday worship with... A, a sense of expectation and excitement as if we were going to like a theme park or something like that. Like, why do we get so excited to go to a theme park, but we don't get excited to go to church on a Sunday, you know? We should be looking forward to coming into God's presence on Sunday just as much, if not more, as we do a lot of other things in life. But oftentimes, church can just become this mundane ho-hum thing you do every Sunday and we don't actually ever really prepare for it. And I'm not saying that's all the time, but a lot of times I, fi- I find myself certainly slipping into that habit of just, you know, you show up to church and that's just what you do. You know I mean, and you don't really prepare your heart or your mind to really enter into God's presence. So that was the first part of it. And the second part of it was limiting distractions during worship because it's easy when you're at a church service uh, to really get distracted uh, by any number of things. You know, it could be thinking about 
daydreaming about what you're going to do later the, later in that afternoon, all the chores you got to do, your grocery list, whatever. Um, it could be crying babies. It could be, you know, your friends around you who, like, you see every Sunday and your church at that point then just becomes more about the social aspect. Any number of things could distract you, and we need to try and be aware of that and limit those distractions so that we can really focus on being in God's presence. And then the third thing was that we have to actually implement what we've learned at church. If God speaks to you at a church service on a Sunday, and then you don't do anything about it, and you're the same person Monday morning, then well, what, what was the point? Church is meant to transform us so that we can then go out and transform the world. And, you know, if you just hear the word and don't do anything about it, then you, there's no point. So, anyway... Those were kind of the three big takeaways from and, and points of emphasis of his lesson. And that was just a really poignant message for me uh, as going back to what I mentioned earlier with, you know, my, my trip is going to be a little more solitary than I had originally planned. And with that comes a certain... A, kind of heightened sense of expectation and um, just looking forward to the time on Sundays when I will get to go to church and go to Mass and enter into God's presence. And so it was just the perfect reminder for me and uh, coming from somebody that reminded me so much of Max Mayo was just an added icing on the cake bonus on top. Um, that made that just a really special message for me. So, yeah, um, that is the wink of the week. And, yeah, like I said, just being around somebody who reminded me so much of Max um, just felt like a warm hug from home. And uh, Coach Max is the only one that I can remember that has ever consistently called me Dave. And guess what? This pastor consistently called me Dave. So that was really cool. So the final segment for this week's episode will be my mission spotlight for the local parish that I am visiting this week. So... For my first week on trail, I um, will be visiting Our Lady of Fatima Mission Parish in Jonestown, Pennsylvania. And unfortunately this week, I won't be able to uh, go into a ton of detail about my experience there at that church just because logistically the way it worked out, I'm actually recording this before I go to Mass, and I'm going to upload it actually from a hotel room where I have access to Wi-Fi and things like that. 
before I go to mass. And then after mass, I'm going to get right back on the trail and who knows what my connection is going to be like. So logistically, it just made more sense to, uh, to do it this way. So, uh, I don't really know a whole lot about the Our Lady of Fatima mission. Uh, I know it's in the diocese of Harrisburg, but that's really about all I know about the parish. Um, but yeah, looking forward to going to mass tomorrow morning. And um, yeah, because of the weather, the weather's been really wet the last few days. I decided to bite the bullet and just get a hotel room here in Jonestown for the night. Uh, and so I was able to shower and get a nice good meal and most importantly, get all my stuff dry because uh, camping when you already have wet stuff from being out in the rain the day before is just no fun. So I am very happy to have all my stuff dried and um, ready to go moving forward. So tomorrow I am going to go to mass and then after mass I will hit the trail and get back out there. So thanks for tuning in everybody and uh, have a great week and Stay tuned for next week's episode, and I will give a full update and rundown of my experience at Lady of Fatima Mission. So, have a great week. Thank you for tuning in for this week's episode of the Future Father Dave podcast. I'm eternally grateful for this opportunity to share my journey with you. And I pray that in sharing my story, I can inspire you in your own spiritual journey.